Hey guys, this is Andrew from Things I Want to Know. If you like the podcast, please leave a five-star rating. Don't really know why this is important, but it is. So let's get the voice out. Also, don't forget to check out the podcast Paul G's Corner, a podcast where everyone gets a voice. Sometimes we find ourselves needing a little help every now and again whenever we're doing our going about our day. And I suggest and always have suggested that music can play a big, big role in what we do on a daily basis. Make us feel better. To prove this, I have asked Mr. John Foley to tell us all about music as therapy. John, how are you doing today? Fine, thanks. And how about you? I'm not dead. Good, good, good. <laughs> That's a positive. It's, it's always right. a positive. It is a positive. People look at me and say, what do you mean you're not dead? Okay. I'm like, well, I'm not dead. I'm still, I'm, I'm not pushing up daisies, you know? I'm still hacking up loogies and drinking booze and watching the sunrise and set. No. Can't ask for more than that. Nope. Not really. That's true. All right. So, John, you do music as therapy? Yes. Yeah. And the difference, which they teach you on the, the first day of famous music therapist school is that we all do therapeutic music. We all know music that makes us feel better, that energizes us for exercise or calms us or puts us in a creative mood to cook, things like that. And that's all sorts of therapeutic music. Music therapy turns it the other way around. It's more of a systematic approach. Instead of saying, let's play some music and feel better, we say, what's at issue here and what specifically in music will address that? Okay. So it's just really more of a systematic version of the same thing we all do. Can you kind of give us uh, a, a little bit of credentials, things like that? Where how, where did you learn this? Where where does this background from? Okay. Well, I was a musician. I had an undergraduate degree in music, and I was out working as a musician. And uh, when we were getting ready to start a family, I wanted something with better hours, and I looked into. You this. actually wanted to get paid. I do, and I wanted that as well. <laughs> I'm, I've, oh. I was a musician for years. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, we don't get paid. We no. we pretend we're paid. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like they used to say, crime does pay, but only a little at a time. Yeah. So. <laughs> Music pays only maybe. It's really right. just a maybe, honestly. Right. Well, that was the other joke. Uh, what would you do if you had a million dollars? I said, well, I'd keep playing music until I used it all up. Exactly. If I had a million dollars, I would, yeah, same thing. I would keep just making films until it was all gone. Start over again. Exactly what I'd do. Really? Yeah. I don't know what I would do with a million dollars. You just sit on it and miser it. Yeah, I pay off my house. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. Those things are, those things are number one. Yeah. I pay off all the debts. You got no debts and you're just living off the cash. That would be nice. Yeah. And having no, no mortgage. No mortgage? No mortgage. No mortgage? They suck. Well, I suppose. So, schooling, though. you Which schooling did you do to get the, to this point where you're a profes- pro- professional at this? Oh, okay. Well, I had, as I said, an undergraduate degree in music, the same kind of degree you would get if you wanted to teach music in schools or things. And then I went back and got an additional certification in music therapy which had certain specific courses. So essentially it's a, it's somewhere, the initial involvement is somewhere shy of a master's degree, but a little more than a bachelor's. Okay. That's cool. What school was that? I went to Montclair State University in New Jersey, which happens to be not too far from here. There are a number of schools, but as you might guess, there, there are not thousands of them. Yeah. The reason I ask these questions is because we have some, you know, we have some folks that are listening and they're like, well, I'm not listening to them unless they have this and that and the other. And I'm like, well, okay. Right. 
In that case, then let's get the let's get their credentials out ahead of time so that they can shut up right. <laughs> and listen. Right. And this is also it's a doable thing for people. So, all right, so it, it's a tangible thing. It's not I I had a school of hard knocks and I figured this out kind of thing. Right, right. You actually yeah, had somebody teach you. Right. Well, you, I now I would have. I I feel that music is quite a important thing if you're feeling terrible and it, no, dude, yeah. yeah and yeah. a lot of people don't understand that they don't they don't understand the meditation that you get into if you listen mm-hmm. to music in the correct way right i think because a lot of people say well i put music on and it makes me feel better and that's as far as it goes but uh, what we do with music therapy is we try and see uh, how we can use that more effectively more specifically like maybe but, uh, yeah. otherwise, yeah, we all do our own good music therapy and then we can pick a song that we like. Yeah. But, so yeah. like you said more effectively, like, do you figure out like certain types of genres of music help certain people with, I don't know, depression or chronic yes. pain or anything like that? Yes, absolutely. And then what uh, another interesting thing that was not necessarily so obvious to me up front, but makes perfect sense. Uh, they have what in uh, fancy music therapy speak is called the ISO principle, meaning if someone's depressed, you don't play them happy music. It's going to make them want to strangle somebody. Yeah. So what you do is you have to. That explains the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that does kind of. <laughs> all that depressing music in the nineties, all the grunge stuff and everything. Yeah. Cause but I mean, let's see now that as a matter of fact, that really could be exactly what we're talking about. If you're really feeling depressed, some happy song is going to make you want to throttle somebody. What you have to do is meet people at their level and then gradually see if you can bring them out of it. Like B.B. King always said, people sang the blues to get out of having the blues. And that's, you know, they didn't sing Happy Days Are Here Again. They sang hard time songs and it helped them deal with what was there. And hopefully they could feel better well, later. That makes sense. It's akin to talk therapy, I guess, for a, a blues musician. Yeah, yeah well, Right, because you have to start at, with someone at the level that they are feeling. So what do you do when you get a client, say, uh, I don't know, a general middle-aged person and they're depressed and they're coming to you? Do you like to sit there and put on different types of music and see how they respond? Or do you like talk to them about what they like? Or how does that work? I guess I'm thinking like from a nursing brain, like a care plan maybe. Right, right. I uh, There are people who do it more that way. I tend to do more in the way of, singing playing you know with the idea that everyone can do some sort of singing or playing even if they feel that they shouldn't but uh, they can there are so many uh, studies we show that uh, where we see that uh, levels of all of the feel-good hormones rise when we're playing music when we're singing music when we're uh, with other people doing the same thing i had a, a couple years back i had some minor surgery and i could actually cut down on my uh pain relievers by playing. I would get myself into a frame line. I could play for an hour, even though I was overdue for uh, for my dose. And it just really does take over different parts of the brain for you. That's and, true. Whenever I was practicing music, I right. was doing, I was practicing. It was, I would practice for, I didn't realize I was doing this and I was practicing for three and a half, four hours. You right. really don't need to be practicing that long, but you need to take more breaks, but I just constant. And I just immediately, I, 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 it was like, I just started practicing his four hours later. Right. Completely well, took my mind off actually, everything. It, sorry. It completely took my mind off of everything. Yeah. Oh, it, it absolutely does. And actually that's how you can, as you say, spend even more time than you plan to, or even more time you thought you needed to in a way it's self-medicating, which of course can have its drawbacks, but yeah. the, uh, the advantage to music, is that you over, if you overdo it, it's not the same as overdoing other forms of self-medication. So say someone that's not necessarily like skilled in how to play an instrument. So right. how would you recommend for them to have, uh, for me, I'll just give an example of myself. I have suffered from chronic pain. I have arthritis in my hands and some days are good right. and some days are bad. And I just found out and I'm learning to figure this road out. Right. And um, I'm just sitting here thinking for someone like me who's, Having pain issues, what do you do? Just lock yourself in a room and put on some music and just sort of zone out? Or what do you, how does that work? I'm curious. I think, I think you could, but I don't think that would necessarily require a music therapist. The best, you know, you're the best judge of that sort of thing. 
what a music therapist could do would be to guide you to the next level. So in other words, you would work with, uh, when I started, we spent a lot of time working with physical therapists and speech therapists and the rest. So we would know more of the mechanics involved. So I would be, you know, I would find out, for example, somebody's physical limitations. And even if somebody doesn't have a lot of musical background, there are great percussion instruments that you can use. And again, you, you look at someone, if there are certain uh, physical issues and you work around a grip, if someone has a hard time holding a drumstick, things like that. But you can work through, I think, especially I find percussion works great for people who don't think that they have a lot of musicality because a basic pulse is there. And also because when you get in the middle of something like that, I've put on some uh, some background music and have people just do simple drumming patterns on their hand drums or percussion, depending on whatever the physical limitations might be. And it is really something as, you know, uh, as we were talking about, it can really just take over. You can really zone out for a while and it can relieve a lot of stress. It can actually distract from pain. Uh, the... Uh, the extreme case, there's a lot of work being done with music instead of, instead of um, anesthesia for surgery. Now, I'm not volunteering for that one just yet. I'm No way. There's quite a bit of literature on that as well. Because I know in like in nursing school they would teach us like you know your patients in pain and things like right. that you do what distraction or right, you know or right, whatever. Right. I guess is what makes me think about like music therapy is kind of a distraction because that's the only basis that I've been educated in. But, sure, I mean it certainly it certainly works on that level. You know, and so with something like that, that's probably the first line because you have to do that first. You have to get someone out of their depression, you have to get someone not focusing on their pain. So, you, you know, you certainly want to do that. Uh, it's like in other forms of therapy, they may say, well, you need talk therapy, but first we're going to give you this thing to take the edge off and to give you a little bit of a lift, you know, uh, with, hope, with hopes that you will be able to discontinue that. So you want to move up, you want to start with getting rid of the pain, the anxiety, whatever. And you want to be able to move to the level where you're actively improving your situation. Uh, so you go from negative to zero, and then you want to start going into the positive column. Makes sense. So can any yeah, music... That's where playing can really help. Can any music be considered therapy? Because my first thought when I say this question is... Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> the death metal with roaring yeah. genre of music. <laughs> I'm well, well, thinking, how is that therapy? For the same reason we were talking about before, that as uh, as grunge music or you know any of the other things that don't seem very happy, you have to meet the person at their level before you can lift it up. You can't just you can't get somebody who likes death metal and say, "Well, I'm going to play you, you know, Captain Sunshine and the Happy Boys or something," because yeah. they don't want to hear that at all. So death metal that's probably they're self medicating right there. They're doing something that reaches them at the <laughs> level that they're at. And it also gives them a sense of, of fellow feeling. You know, they're, they're with other people who like the same thing. They're saying, well, consciously maybe not, but they're saying, this guy, he's feeling something like what I felt. And that always helps because it makes everybody feel less alone. Well, I'm, do, I'm so glad you brought it. So it doesn't have to be happy music at all and often is not. Well, I'm glad you brought up that point because um, yeah. you, it made me laugh. And you're just like, when you're depressed, you don't want to listen to happy music and strangle somebody because that's exactly right. how you I feel. You wouldn't listen to any country at all because it's mostly I miss my woman I love my man you hated my, it it gets on my nerves yeah because you were like you couldn't find anybody worth you know even talking to much less hang out with as a relationship because like, like certain songs bring back memories too right like, that's that's, that's different another level absolutely yes because there's a song yeah. because I'm happy that song because I'm happy I laugh every time I hear that song because I was having to have a heart cath catheterization oh, test yeah. and they were playing that in the suite <laughs> when I was in there and they're Ooh. getting me all prepped and everything. And I was all nervous and stuff. And they're like, how do you feel? And I was like, I'm not very happy to be here. Can we change the music? <laughs> yeah. And they were just laughing. And I, I knew these nurses. So right. they put something else on and I'll, that song brings me back to that moment. Right. Every single so, time yeah, I hear absolutely. it. And you put your finger on exactly why we don't do that. So, 
Because <laughs> it's because I'm happy. I'm like, really, this song. Yeah. <laughs> Every nursery rhyme that we had to 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 listen to in school, mm-hmm. don't play it for me. No, nope. because. Really? I hated school. I hated my, I hated, I did, I wanted to be an old man before I was, I wanted to be 30. I wanted to be 35 because I couldn't stand the adolescence. So now yeah. anything that's young music that re, even remotely reminds me about that, I just want to, you know, I'm not saying I would go on a shooting rampage, but. No. <laughs> that Don't Worry Be Happy song makes me want to put an ice pick in someone's don't head. Worry. I don't know why. I'm be like, happy. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> for the same reason, right? You don't want anybody to be that much happier than we are. Uh, but uh, that's a really good point, though, because I mean, maybe I shouldn't get onto my kids whenever they're like, you know, feeling- they listen to a lot of "My Penis Is the Best Thing Ever" songs. Well, yeah, yeah and is, that's just like, yeah. come on, have some self-respect. Of course, we had an NWA, and yeah, right. but you know. Emily would always, my daughter would always go to songs that were kind of depressing when she was having right. her own right issues, and I always think, don't you want to listen to happy music? But Maybe I'm glad she didn't because he brings up a really good point. She said she hated it. It just made her want to just lose her mind. Yeah. And I always thought that was weird. I'm like, don't you want to listen to stuff that's going to pull you out of it? But maybe, like you said, with the blues, you have to kind of listen to that to feel like there's other supportive people out there. It makes sense now, It makes perfect sense. I never thought about that. Yeah, you have to meet meet the person where they are, and then you can maybe try and do something there. But, yeah, certainly what the things you're – talking about are uh, perfect examples of why we don't do that so yeah and metallica was one of yeah, my favorite bands absolutely. and they're all about f you i do what i want right, right. and uh that's your mantra yeah that's that's i live by i do what i want that's that's paul so what kind of music do you help with kids i'm sure you work with kids and adults or do you only work with adults uh, no, mostly, actually, these days I'm working mostly with kids. And and uh, lately I've been working largely with kids on the autism spectrum. So that that's another complete set of, uh, of needs right oh, there. My, but no, yeah. I actually have been working mostly with kids lately, So, so uh, which is interesting. Maybe you can kind of cover up a myth here that I've heard off and on over the years. Like sure. autism is something that I don't know a lot about. Okay. I'm not right. a pediatric nurse, but, you know, we've always been kind of like bred to taught and maybe it's just wrong kind of culture out there that mm-hmm. autistic kids don't res- don't like music and don't like touch and don't That's like not anything. True. They, I think the opposite's true. They really love music. Yeah, actually, yes. At one point early in the 40s, uh, uh, a Dr. Kenner, whose first name escapes me, was formulating what we now use as the criteria for diagnosing autism. Huh. One of the things that they decided not to put in was uh, an abnormal uh, interest in music. So, because there are, autistic kids find that the regular noises of every day are just too random, too chaotic. But music, we don't always think of it in those terms, but music has patterns. It has a natural rise and fall. It's math. It has repetition. Exactly. Right. And, you know, they're not sitting there thinking, oh, well, here's three beats plus. No, but they're responding to that predictability. You know, the, the stereotypical autistic person is very concerned about, well, it's two o'clock. I have to do this or I have to have these things in such and such an order. Well, that's, again, it's a stereotype, but it does hold in a lot of cases because lots of autistic people have this need for order and symmetry. And music, whether we think of it in those terms or not, does that. It has, you know, it has beginnings, middles, endings. It has repeated patterns. It has rises and falls. And that's very calming. Now, what they don't necessarily do is respond to the words of the song the way we would respond to the words of the song. But music itself does work very well. Yeah, and, it's uh, more about and the beat and the uh, the beat and the cadence than anything else. I think is that true? Well, it helps absolutely. It helps a lot. And we also we have a lot of kids who don't really want to talk, but they'll sing, hmm. probably for the yeah. same reason because they you feel supported by the beat. You feel encouraged to stay with the song, and that's going to work out fine because here you go. And everything else just sounds kind of random and chaotic. So music is telling them this is going to be okay because in, in a little bit it's all going to work out at the end. It and makes you wonder. It makes you wonder if, as a human being, just in general, just you know, flatline, you're a human being. And there's nothing wrong with you. Everything's perfect. Do we have that beat in our head built in? Oh, I think I, yeah. They've uh, that 
somehow some basic response to music is <clears throat> it's in there with the blood and the bones. We absolutely do it could that. be based off the heartbeat because we would love the heartbeat yeah. rhythm of about 80 to 75 beats a minute. Right, right. And there a lot of the things we do key in on things like that. Certain numbers of beats per minute, yeah. uh, the pulse, you know, the, and just even the sounds of voices. No, it, it's very much, uh, it's absolutely a response that's in us. It's not just a cultural thing that we learn. And the tenor of not, well, not tenor as a singer, but the, yeah, exactly. the, the note and the, mm-hmm. if so, whether it's a bass or, mm-hmm. or higher, I guess it's, because <clears throat> females have a little higher voice in general. Right. Males have a little lower voice in general. Because mm-hmm. in right. these days we have to say in general all the time because people want right. to blur the damn lines. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, it's, you know, it's built into us. Mom has a high voice. Dad has a low voice. Mm-hmm. Dad is comforting because you know you're safe. Mm-hmm. Mom is comforting because you know you're taken care of. Exactly. And, exactly. Right. So is there and any, then, uh, go ahead, Jim. Mm-hmm. go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm just saying. And then basically we, you know, we can work with things like that. There are certain sounds that are just naturally a little more uh, appealing. Matter of fact, one of the things that I do run into when I'm working with younger kids is that they're mostly dealing with women, the special ed, most of the teachers, most of the teachers aides and this and that. So it is kind of funny. I come in and I'm very uh, careful not to sing in a really low voice because it's, sort of, <laughs> because it's disturbing. They're used to, you know, I tend to pitch things nice and medium and I find a, you know, I find keys for songs that we can all comfortably sing in. Yeah. They don't I, like autism. Autism. They don't like anything out of place. Well, exactly. It's very, it can be very in general, and, of course. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's yeah. It's uh, the stereotypical autistic person yet cannot stand anything. If you change a line of a song, some kids will get upset. So uh, it's not really, you know, it's not always easy, but what we have to do is we have to find some way to take, for example, that and help them use the music to help them break out of that. For example, if uh, if they find out that it's safe to change a line of a song, then gradually they can make a little bit of a step towards not being quite so uh, compulsive about a lot of things. Well, that's, that's basic therapy 101. It's exposure therapy. Exactly right. Yeah, we just happen to use music because that's what I have. So. Well, and that's your specialty. So it's yeah, absolutely, right. you know, it's your your exposure therapy process when you need to use it is based in music. Yes, yeah, and that's it. So, and we do find that when you get the kids, what you do when you're starting out with the rhythm band, for example, the one kid who perseverates, who will absolutely play the same exact thing over and over, you actually start him out on a drum because he's going to keep the beat together. <laughs> you're, cheating. Gradually you're cheating. Move him into, hmm? You're cheating. Right. <laughs> to well, put I the think. human metronome on this so we don't have to get out of time. Absolutely. No, and I, will start, I definitely start out, I find the kids who have the most of uh, almost an OCD response to things. Yeah. Maybe not almost. And you put them in a position where they are the timekeeper because they will keep perfect time. Would and that be counterintuitive in the long run, though? Sorry? But do you think that might be counterintuitive in the long run if you got them keeping the time? They're now figuring out that their job is to do this over and over and over again instead of expanding. Right. No, absolutely. That's why the next place I was heading was to say that then we gradually get them to improvise a little bit oh, show okay. them that they can do their rhythm. And then at, at the end of two measures, they can add a little fill. And then once they find out that nothing went wrong, when they added their little fill, they might experiment again. So as you say, it's, it's a, it's basically just getting them used to the idea that you can change something without having to panic. That's just such a confidence boost at that point when it you is. know you can Absolutely. do it. Yeah. And then in the beginning, it really just gives them that, that sense of I'm being part of this. And, you know, and as I said, we have all sorts of studies showing that levels of the feel good hormones rise. If you were in with a group of people playing or singing, or for that matter, at a concert. Yeah. Singing along. Well, you're hanging out with people and everybody's enjoying the same thing and blah, blah, yeah, blah. Absolutely. You know, I mean, it's yeah, just I mean, human exposure really. at that point. So, right. It doesn't have to be musical. But. How, how do you, 
how do you translate this into the individual? So we've got a lot of individuals listening who probably right. have, and everybody's problems are the worst problems on the planet as far right. as they right. are concerned. And right. <clears throat> that's just the way, you know, it's the way we are. How do, how do we take, how will we start using music as therapy uh, in our regular daily lives for mm. ourselves? Well, I would say- yeah, I would say maybe to some of the things we've been talking about, the idea is that you keep in mind first that you need to meet yourself at your own level. So as we were talking about, and people do that anyway. If you listen, as we were talking about, you listen, you know, we'll listen to, pardon me, Metallica because we feel that way at the time. Right. And then, right. And what you would do is if I were working with someone just as far as they're listening, I would say, okay, well, here's something else that is, not too far removed, but maybe not quite so, uh, not quite so dark. And, but you'll still, you'll hear a lot of the same kind of guitars, the same kind of drums and maybe a yeah. similar vocal quality. So I've got and a question. They moved over a little bit. So you just kind of start, start off with what you like and then find something that goes in the direction that's slightly similar to what that music is. And right start moving in the direction of the goal you have in mind of I right. need to be happy. Right. So right. stair yeah. step yourself into some, you know, go out on a limb and add different songs during the, you know, over the months. Right. And that right. might help. And then uh, with some of these things, we would have people uh, journal about uh, what they're listening to. How they, feel, read how they feel. Yeah. You read it back and you, you know, you learn a bit. I had uh, was working with high school and college age people and I would have them, we had small classes, and I would have them get up and do a presentation. Here's my song. I like this because it makes me feel, and then they would field questions from the other kids in the group. Interesting. And Yeah, and it was a good way for them to communicate. So one kid would say, oh, I've never heard that, but I like that. So yeah. you're all of a sudden, you're bringing people together with a shared interest. I and like listening also- to squirrels screaming because it reminds me of what I want to do to my dad. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> so far, we did, we haven't gotten anything that heavy. Yet. <laughs> does, does volume have anything to do with it? Oh yeah, yeah. And actually, the big thing with volume, which I learned the hard way in my early days as a music therapist, it's a threshold effect. There are some people. I mean, especially of course in the autism community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see more, but even in the the regular general population. You know, there are some people who only respond to a big beat. You know, if it's loud, if it's fast, that's more exciting. But the problem is that's overwhelming for some people. Yeah. Whereas the person next to them might like slow and quiet, but slow and quiet is completely lost on the big beat guy. So you have to, it is a matter of trying to find this middle ground. And what I find myself using a lot of for that is rhythms that we'd maybe consider in the, in the Latin you know, the Afro uh, Latin Caribbean rhythms ah. because they're really, they're strong, they're powerful, but they're, they're mellow, all but the they're not time. as overwhelming yeah. as heavy metal or Bob you know, Marley or kind like of stuff. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I use quite a few of those songs because it's not sleepy, but it's not stressful either. I agree. So I would do those. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really good. So have you found any specific uh, sound a song or whatever or artist that always resonates with everyone? That's a no. good question. Yeah. No, I I mean, I can certainly say that there's some people who resonate with more people, but I think there are, you know, there's always somebody, you know, we're all individuals. So there's no magic sound. No, correct. There is, like, I remember there was years ago, there was somebody saying that uh, little kids who listen to Mozart. Yeah, would do better on tests. And now, of course, in music school, what you find out right away is that uh, there are a lot of composers who kind of sound a lot like Mozart. And uh, so does that mean you're going to get half as smart listening to, <laughs> <laughs> to period Haydn? Probably not. But yeah, but it, there's certainly a lot to be said for certain kinds of music used for certain things. Sure. Well, until you're cognitively able to disseminate the sounds that you're listening right. to from a cymbal to a harpsichord to the, until right. your, until your brain has developed that far to know and disseminate your it's, right. it, you might as well just be playing, gla- you know, the, the crystal glasses with water in them, you know, yeah. I mean, same thing. 
So have you found out like certain, okay, like I'll just give myself as an example, loud music sure. instantly like makes me like, just like I'm done, turn it off. It's loud. I can't right. think, I can't focus. <sighs> That's where we disagree. He likes it. Louder, wants, the better. He wants like the well, cannonballs running through the living room. It's, yep. And right. if you noticed throughout your, you know, your therapy, like certain people just absolutely are non-responsive to like loud or really soft stuff. Like they just won't listen to you. Oh, absolutely. That's why, as they say, we're always looking for, uh, I need something that's going to have a certain amount of life to it, a certain amount of force to it, so I don't put half of the people to sleep. <laughs> but at the same time, I don't want to be overwhelming and driving the other half of the people out of the room. So, you know, uh, as I said, the Latin rhythms work well. Swing rhythms uh, work very oh, well. swing is like awesome. That. Yeah, exactly, because Fly it's got a lot of pep, it's got a lot of power, but it's not My voice is so trashed, I can't sing. Um, interesting though, I work for a hospital here in Northwest Arkansas and they have these wellness things that we have to do so much per year and various different things we have to do. We have so much done. One of them was music therapy. So I was calling music therapy. What is that? So we go into this room and they have like all these different bowls and drumsticks. And I remember going, what am I supposed to do? Like when, when are we going to get the pad thai? I mean, that's what right, the bowl's yeah. for, right? I don't I mean, know. It's just like, you know, Asian kind of thing. Oh, where's my bad tie? And so they had one of the chaplains in there, and I'm <laughs> like, I'm like, am I supposed to just, like, play? What am I supposed to do? And she's like, well, just go around and hit music and let us tell us how it makes you feel. Mm. And the f- Dumb. And the first thing in part of my head was I'm like... I'm just doing this so I get a discount on my insurance. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> if somebody was to explain, you know, what I needed to do or give me some instructions, <clears throat> excuse me, I might be more open to it. But Well, there's something to be said for Hertz. Um, you know, you have uh, Dale Allen Rouse. He was the, the shaman guy, and he was explaining. Mm-hmm. We were talking about sounds and had meditation, how to meditate. Because mm-hmm. those guys know how to meditate. Yeah, I had to learn to do that too for these wellness yeah. things. But sounds yeah. can, if the the vibration from the sound, the vibration of the room, can help you meditate if you can get in tune with it. If you can bring yourself right. to figure it out. Right. I, I do it all the time. I love it. That's why I like the music so loud because I want the air, the floor, the walls to vibrate. Right. 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 So, yeah. well, how does that figure into your to to your music therapy? Well, again, it's the same sort of thing we've been talking about in that it's individual preference. Some people really want to just, they want to hear that bass drum in the chest when uh, when yeah. it comes like that. That's me. And that's, and yeah, and, that, and that's actually a little bit frightening for some other people. So, oh, I can imagine, do, yeah. Yeah, if we have a mixed group, we have to be very careful about uh, It's like about yelling boo stuff. in the theater, yeah. you know, you're somebody's going to be scared. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, and that's why, as with anything else, you know, any anything we use as a remedy, you know, aspirin with the wrong person or in the wrong dose can be bad. Yeah, so absolutely. A, I had a yeah, aspirin can be deadly, actually. Yeah. Well, and now, fortunately, in most cases for music, the worst thing you're going to do is annoy somebody or put them to sleep. Well, uh, rupture an eardrum if you're hanging out with me. Yeah, oh, well, that's true too. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh God, Paul, no ruptured yeah. eardrum. So, have you ever had people come to you that are like totally not what? open? And if so, uh, how did you get them sure. more open? Because I'm thinking just for my situation, if I would have just had someone to explain it like you have, I might have been a little yeah. bit more open to what I needed mm-hmm. to do. I felt like I'm doing my discount on my insurance just to bang right, on this right. bowl. I mean, it, <laughs> you know, that sounds First awful. off, banging on the bowl is not music right. therapy. Well, That's I, but I think sound yeah, therapy. I think starting to mention it before, we, we all need a little bit of structure, especially if we're not musically trained to begin with so you know you you can't just throw a bunch of things in there and say okay you know we don't hand a kid uh a dictionary and say okay speak (laughs) once you can't read i mean come on right (laughs) or all the words you need we don't do that though we we give you sample you know sample phrases sample sentences and we learn in in bits like that so what they were doing was maybe trying to do something therapeutic with music, but to actually do music therapy, there would have been more of a, a plan to it. That's kind of what I thought, but I was trying to be nice, yeah. but 
Yeah, well, that was <laughs> nice that you were polite, but no, they weren't really doing. Okay, that really isn't what I would consider music therapy. Okay, no, okay. maybe it was they don't more get a degree in that. That's sound just therapy. Some, that's just some dude smoking yeah. weed on the weekend, yeah. going, you know, this would be a really good idea, man. It makes me feel so great. Yo, we got any more Cheetos? <sighs> yeah, that's all they're doing. Yeah, well, I, and I think that sort of thing it works with. You know, aromatherapy or things. Yeah, I I certainly think those things can help. If it makes you feel better and it's not illegal yeah. or against the law or, or right. hurting somebody else, just right. do it and forget it. Well, I was having a hard enough time doing the meditation because it's she can't meditate. She does not understand the the the, the meaning behind meditation well, at all. Um a very busy person and they you're sitting in an office business office i'm a nurse but i do other type of businessy type things now so they're like take your shoes off and fill the ground and i'm like this is 30 minutes i have to sit here in my office you want me to take my shoes off she never sits down (laughs) you go to her house she's constantly i gotta clean this i gotta clean that i gotta go do this i gotta do that you're like oh my god take a value and sit down I uh, know, I know, I know. I'm like mom, dad, therapist to teenagers. So yeah, there's no rest for the wicked. But, but um, yeah. and I was having a hard time getting into my headspace of trying to be open versus like this lady mm-hmm. wants me to tell, like touch the side of the chair and melt right. into the chair. I was like, this is hokey. <laughs> yeah. It, well, that's another thing too. You have to know the people that you're talking to. You can't, you know, if you're within a certain group of people, you can certainly use things that sound a little bit airy fairy. Woo woo. Uh, <laughs> That's a great way of putting yeah, it. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to use that. I know people who talk like that and they can say it with a straight face and, you know, and, you know, and I understand what they're saying, but I have to myself approach it a different way. Where's the, the science? Yeah. Where's the science behind that? You're just going to sit around right. and, Basically, I mean, they're basically just playing with themselves half the time. Yeah. So, it, it, metaphorically. So the other thing that did work. I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, 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 go no, ahead. no, no. I was just going to say. Imagine in your profession, in your side of dealing with children, the most difficult part is probably dealing with the parents. Well, fortunately, I, I actually I deal with them in the school settings. Oh, so I okay. Really, I almost never meet the parents, so it's uh, you know, it's uh, it has its good and its bad. But there's certainly yes, it certainly that part makes it much easier. Well, I think it's wonderful that you're in the schools. I think that's great. I wish they had that kind of thing here. But to get back to your other question, one of the things that I think uh, when uh, Buddhism was certainly moving into, first moving into uh, Japan, supposedly the story was that the Japanese were a little more practical minded. They didn't want to meditate, meditate, but they found meditation in doing things. For example, you have the, you know, the way you would do the, the tea ceremony. There's this big involved thing where you, how the way you do the tea ceremony, arranging this, arrange, and they found that by focusing on a thing, you had, you could achieve a meditative state. Some people don't, you know, don't do well sitting there doing nothing, but they can do something that is meditative. And that, of course, music fits right in. Well, that's, that. that's exactly what meditation is, is, yeah. is a focused determination. See, meditating my cleaning my house is meditation. Cleaning your house is no, I don't think so. I'm like, I'm like, you're like, turn on the TV, let's watch a program. I'm like, okay. And then 10 minutes in, you're like, I gotta go do this over here. What they say, I can't say it. Oh, Paul, they don't, listeners don't want to hear that. Yeah, they do. But uh, that's interesting that you say that because I mean, I think next time if they, they have like suggestion box or suggestion thing at right. the end of it, about, I think I'm going to say, <laughs> have some instructions. My, whenever yeah. I think of it as a suggestion box, I always think of the one at the beginning of Waterboy where it says, fuck off and die. Love everyone. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, not very constructive. <laughs> but I'm honest, at least honest. I think in general, I think we need to do that. Some people need, uh, they can do a meditative activity, but it has to be an activity that has a meditative quality. Some people can just sit and then zone out and it works very well for them. I actually can't do that very well. It's interesting because for some reason I can. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm able to just sit in a quiet room, close my eyes, and I'm, I've got figured out long ago how to do the how to clear my mind and not talk to myself. Yeah. And right. that's really, really difficult if, if, if you've yeah. ever tried it, it's quite hard. Yeah. Uh, but once you learn it, it sticks with you. 
because mm-hmm. I've never forgotten how to do it. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Well, I always like the meditative. Uh, I think the expression is monkey mind. Yeah. You have to turn off monkey mind because it's hopping around doing all these little things while you're trying to to not think. You're just releasing stress, is what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. And again, some people can do it that way. Some people find the the, the centering, I guess, the, to use a woo-woo word, uh, the centering effect of of doing something. The way you know Zen differs from uh, the original Buddhist meditation. They they yeah. will, there's a great book called Zen and the Art of Archery, and uh, this guy basically you know, he he goes on for pages and pages on how you stand, how you hold the bow, how you draw the string. But by focusing in so intently on these things, he frees his mind up from the other stuff, from the chatter. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I got a question. So when I got divorced, I'm sorry, you say again? No, I said, and music does that nicely, but it's far from the only thing. People people do gardening. People do, uh, you know, uh, handcrafts. Oh, yeah. Like that. yeah. So I got a question. When I, was di- when I got divorced, I went from listening to just depressed rock music. Mm-hmm. And uh, emo, I actually named the playlist mm-hmm. emo music, which right. is okay. emotionally whatever. I don't know, it's yes. a goth mm-hmm. term. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> well, as soon as as soon as I kicked her ass out of my house, mm-hmm. uh, I had I broke my ribs, so I was oh. like on I was on uh, like Vicodin for a month, mm-hmm. which oh. was you know good yeah. good way to pass the time. Yeah. So. <laughs> Oh, it's the middle Lord. of COVID, so I didn't have to go to work. I'd work from a desk. So it's like, right. eh, whatever, I'll just take some Vicodin and hang out. Um, but I found myself, and Andrew can attest to this, my playlist of my music is extremely upbeat. Yes, mm. I agree. Yeah. It is. Very. And, but I was extremely depressed. Mm. How do you explain that dichotomy for somebody like me? That's a, that's an interesting question. I mean, it, it probably eventually you're the person who would best answer that. But I think maybe a side of you was looking ahead. You know, that would just be off the top of my head. That would be the guess. Well, you know, uh, I hated it to begin with. I ahead. forced myself to listen to the positive music. Okay. And but I hated it. And again, it can backfire. Yeah, well, as we were saying it could backfire, but not necessarily. I, I hated it. Mm-hmm. But I knew... That gar what I have a saying called garbage in, garbage out. If only right. if all you ever do is consume garbage, uh, you're gonna end up being garbage. And then what I mean by consuming is if you only watch uh shows where people die right. or the person's bad or the relationship's awful and it never fixes itself, then that's gonna be your life. But if you expose yourself to things that aren't not so bad. Not not that. That's actually a good story. That actually turned out well. And mm-hmm. even if it's a negative story with a positive spin, like uh, the murder, right. like our true crime murder stuff that Andrea and I listen to, it has a positive right. spin on it because those assholes go to jail, right? Right. We figure it yeah, out. That's absolutely, that's absolutely right. And because the idea of showing some hope at the end of the yeah. Tunnel. So I guess I forced myself to look listen to it until I turned. Uh, yeah, and that whether I like it or I mean, not, again, it can you know, can be it could backfire a bit. But in your case, it seems not to have. For so, me, it would not but, go you know, well. You don't want to listen to them country country men talking about how much they loved their women, how their relationships are perfect. And now, if I'm like not feeling like happy and stuff, listening to happy music just makes me angry. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I'm an odd person for that. No, no, then. you're not. That's that's normal. I f- had remember I had to force myself to do it. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't something that I just. Oh, I think I'll listen to happy music today. I was like, hey, God damn it! But I know better. Garbage in, garbage out. If you listen to something good, your attitude's going to improve. Is there any music, hands down, that you feel is just not really a good therapeutic type music for anybody? Like a certain, like a genre, or if you'd rather like not. You don't have to necessarily answer an artist, but yeah. I guess the best um, example I could say, like, hands down, 100%, I feel like church music's not the best, or, or I don't know, or death metal, or whatever. Well, that's, uh, not, uh, but I think that's exactly it. It's it's so much a matter of the individual, because individual. as we were saying, you know, even, you know, aspirin is great for a lot of people, and it can be deadly for some other people. So I wouldn't, I can't off the top of my head think of something which is always going to be good or always going to be bad, because it's the individual that decides how to interpret the music 
But yeah, of course, in general, we have, you know, we have things that we respond to in certain ways. uh, Do you think that, that, did they teach anything or go over anything on the hertz and the actual physical vibrations and things like that? We do some work with things like that. Basically, with some of this stuff, a lot of it is there are certain specialties. For example, there are some people who do a lot more of what we would call uh, talk therapy, more like just going to talk to a therapist, but using music as a as a guide or something. Uh, that's a separate uh, certification, which I did not go for, although it's very interesting. And same thing with some of the other stuff. There are things uh, I have worked with people who've taken training and all these different things where there were things where you would lie down on this bed and at certain frequencies, as again, as you're saying, the hertz, a certain number of hertz would have certain effects on the mind or the body or the rest. So well, there's yes, a, there are lots of people doing that. It's a separate certification that I don't have. There's a town in the, uh, just on the other side of the Canadian border in Illinois, I think it is. Okay. Um, and across the, across the lake or whatever they're at tributary who knows uh there's a factory town and it's all factory stuff in the united states and they hear this loud hum occasionally and they don't know what it is and nobody's been able to figure it out but it keeps people awake and it drives people in they say it's driving people batty Um, well i can certainly imagine how that would happen yeah, no, I hadn't heard anything about that. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's a Canadian border town with I I I mean, the Michigan or Illinois. I think, it's, I think it's Michigan. You think it's Detroit? Uh, yeah, I think it was. Cause remember, we talked about Detroit. There's lots of industry in Detroit, and so uh-huh. across the way, they have more industry in Canada. And we were mm-hmm. talking in our conversation about how car people have left Detroit. So I think mm-hmm. it was the town of Detroit. Yeah, because it was a documentary we were watching. Well, it was wasn't? around Detroit. Detroit, I think I can't yeah, really remember. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. it's really really interesting, and it makes sense because if there's a loud hum, and your ears are picking it up, then you're probably not going to sleep well. Well, everybody right. responds to different tones and different yeah. things in different right. ways. Right, makes and sense. And those are things that are within the audible range. Now, then there are lots of things that we don't necessarily hear, but the yeah. body perceives. Well, very high radio very waves are technically something that's possible to hear if you could get your ear to hear it. Right. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's it's just a matter of there, there's there's such a different type of frequency. Right. Okay. Yeah. See that uh, that's interesting. I don't know. You know, I remember there used to be there would always be stories about someone whose fillings in their teeth were loose and they were able to pick up radio <laughs> frequencies. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure those those rumors are. I'm not sure that's yeah. true. No, no, they were great stories. So. But yeah, it's, it's a great story. <laughs> Scare your kids. <laughs> Scare your yeah. kids. Don't be chomping down on that there peanut too hard. You might hurt your feeling and you might get radio yeah. signals in your teeth. You might get the wrong station. <laughs> you have to listen to yodeling all day. You know, I don't like that station. You have to bite down on the other side and change the dial. <laughs> it's kind of sad, though, in a way that people who are hearing impaired miss out on the, I guess, the benefits of music therapy. Uh, sometimes, uh, very often, as a matter of fact, most of the benefits, but not all. I have a matter of fact, I have a, a couple of kids who are um, uh, profoundly deaf. You know, oh, they have wow. some residual sense of hearing, but we can do sorts of uh, certain things. There's a woman named Evelyn Glennie and from Scotland originally. She is a classical percussionist. She is almost I think she might be considered profoundly deaf. She plays with symphony orchestras all over the world. Oh, she wow. stands on the stage barefoot. She feels the pulse. She follows the, the notes in her music. She can count the beats. And she plays great drums and cymbals and percussion. And she comes right in on the beat every single time because she's standing on the, the orchestra stage barefoot and feeling the pulse of the music. Now, I haven't had anybody quite that dramatic yet, but I do have, for example, I have a student-sized cello that I use with some uh, hearing-impaired kids. And we rest their jaw on the top of the cello and sound vibrations actually will travel into the inner ear. So even if the outer ear is impaired, if there's problems with the eardrum or whatever, they're still picking up sound. So they can actually hear themselves play the cello by resting their chin on the cello. And I'll guide them through and help them learn some notes and things like that. Now, so far, we have no orchestra quality musicians, but uh, but we do have people who will really light up because they're hearing themselves play music for the first time. And again, percussion is great for that. 
give someone a big drum and we can all feel those vibrations. What an amazing thing for the child to be able to like probably has hardly been able to hear anything but can hear that. That may be the noise they can hear for the first time. So- oh, yeah. And it's it's really it, it's a fun thing to see because the face really does light up and they say, oh, that's what this is. So yeah. the, the first step to music therapy that you think might help the most mm-hmm. is right. picking up an instrument. Well, I would say maybe not the first thing because not everybody has, you know, has the background there. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, as we were talking about, you want to get some some sort of, you know, some listening experience, maybe some idea where you either journal about something and you write about how you, how you feel about something to help you analyze your thoughts. But past that, the next step, I would I would definitely suggest that someone move into some sort of activity, even percussion or singing or so, as basic as you like. And you know, the big problem with music therapy, as opposed to, say, something like art therapy, is that anybody can sit down at an easel and maybe draw a bad picture of a house or a dog or something. But not everyone can just pick up guitar and play a bad song. You can't even play it badly at first. Yeah. So, yeah. So there is there is that difference there. I know I've worked with some art therapists and that is an advantage they have. Whereas we can start somebody on some basic instruments and then maybe move them up after that. But anyone can play percussion. And I've had some, uh, I have some electronic drums that I use and a lot of hand drums. And we'll put on some really nice, you know, some sort of nice propulsive music in the background. So if you don't feel like playing the instrument, Mm -hmm. then journaling or writing down your thoughts about how a certain piece of music makes you feel, whether it's I smell nutmeg or Mm -hmm. I think about my grandma kind of thing right. right yeah right so yeah you can do right you can do actually i would suggest both of those things to see which is more effective at different points yeah and then you know again you know the obviously the listening and the thinking is easier because you don't need any have any other instruments or skills there but uh, i think if someone can do that you know especially if they can listen and try and communicate to someone else how they're feeling just the act of trying to put thoughts into words helps us understand a little bit more about what we're thinking. So how, how could someone go find a music therapist, music therapist or are they like common? Is it one of those things that's more specialized for children? Is it? It is specialized for different groups, but uh, basically uh, you come out of music therapy school as a a certified music therapist and they are, uh, we are uh, in the book. There is a certification board for music therapists and uh, you can go on their site. They will give you the names of people in, in your area, usually often broken down by specialty if there are specialties. You know, a lot of, uh, a lot of us are just sort of general practitioners and we'd refer someone to a specialist if, you know, once that became uh, an issue. But yes, you can go to the certification board for music therapy and uh, it, uh, there's a separate tab on yeah. the top that says find a music therapist near you. Now, how can how can people contact you? And you've got some publications out, right? I do. I do. Um, I'm trying to think of the uh, the easiest way. Um, let's see. Um, I have yes, I have two uh, two books. Um, one of them uh, is I'll just hold up to this part of the screen here. It's uh, guitar music for the midlife crisis music, why we listen and why we play. That has more to do with what we're discussing here. So that book, for example, is uh, available from Amazon, Barnes and Noble, anywhere else. And the link will be in the, the notes description. Uh, if you want to, if you want to look at it and possibly buy it, which yeah. we encourage you to do, if you have an interest in this um, and it will be in the show notes. Yes. Oh, great. Thanks. All right. Yeah. Good. And, and what was yeah, the other so, one? Uh, yes. And so that actually has more to do with the kinds of things we've been talking about here today. Okay. That uh, talks about how music affects us, how we use music to address certain uh, issues and things. So like the that. Uh, the other book that you wrote, though, what is this? Yeah. Okay. okay, that one here. And again, I'll hold it up just for the picture side. It's called The Dancing Beast. It's a novel set in 16th century England. And uh, I was doing some research for an article there's a magazine called Renaissance Magazine, and they specialize in history and Renaissance fairs and things like that. And I was writing an article for them on the history of music and healing, basically talking about some of the things we're talking about here, but from a historical perspective. 
And one of the things I ran into when I was doing some research, there was a phenomenon went on for hundreds of years in different places in Europe uh, called the dancing plague. And dozens or hundreds of people would just start spontaneously Sounds dancing. Sounds terrible, actually. It's like the dancing oh, yeah. plague when you get sick and have to dance and then you die. Yeah. Well, actually, it wasn't. It was called a plague. It's actually technically they called it choreomania, which is dancing mania. Okay, so like it wasn't a disease. Yeah. It wasn't it. a plague. plague. Okay. No, it was not. A, it was not. It wasn't an actual plague. plague. No. Yeah. 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 That would but suck. I, yeah, I'm sure someone will come up with that for a TV show now. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and but so it was a, a far as we know, it was some sort of mass psychosis <laughs> and dozens or hundreds of people uh, would just start dancing frantically. They injured themselves. They injured other people. It, they went on for days. I mean, people would dance longer than you think you could stand up. Yes, and, that- uh, absolutely. Yeah. So it was a pretty fascinating thing. I think and I've heard of this. Dovetailing with, uh, with a, a novel that I was looking to try and write about 16th century England. Wasn't so, this? Uh, the same thing about like a I've, I've I've read this somewhere I swear a bunch of dancing nuns or something and they like collapsed and died. Oh yeah, that, again that was one of there were a number of incidents all through all through Europe for hundreds of years it would pop up here and there. There are at least there are dozens or maybe hundreds of uh, cases that were reported. Yeah, there were right there would be a whole uh, I think it was a whole convent full yeah. of nuns at one point. Yeah, and of course being back. In that part in history, everybody suspects demonic possession. Yes, yeah, yeah. devil. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, which is exactly what happened. They were they were accused of uh, of witchcraft or uh, or anything like. I that. I didn't do the witchcraft. So, I'm dancing. I can't stop dancing. Somebody else is yeah. the witch around here. What are you trying to do? I think well, the story goes. That's what they tried to say. <laughs> One of them survived, and I think they got her on witchcraft. And I've heard it also said that all of them passed, and the church just wanted yeah. to blame it on demonic possession. Yeah, that would that was certainly the 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 go to explanation. Bad communion that wine, that's where I go. That was it. Well, there's <laughs> actually there's some real interesting ones. Uh, apparently, there is a fungus that grows on wheat mm. or ergot. Oh know, yeah, wheat. that's a big problem. It has been. It was a big, big problem. It's still a problem today. Actually. Ergot yeah. was also they think suspect. They, there's like several theories on Salem witch trials here in the U.S., but that was one of them that well, they suggested. That's a mass psychosis thing. A mass psychosis is a well documented, well well documented thing. Um, politics right now is where our mass psychosis lives. Oh, okay. Well, exactly. So yeah, yeah. We're we can, we we side with this person so much they can do everything right. It doesn't matter if it's left or right. It, it really is. A, it really is a, a, akin to a mass psychosis, a lot of the times. Yeah, and and at the same, you know, at the other end, people come out of it and they don't remember why they did it. They got something came over me. Everybody says, and I don't know why I participated in this. And that was what people were saying back then too. Oh, murders happen that way. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. So your book, and, The Dancing Beast, is it? You said it's <laughs> fictional. Yes, that's completely fiction. It's based well, on based on happen. history. I'm going to read that because I like history oh, okay. fictional well, stuff. Actually, when we uh, when we're finished here, you uh, give me the address and I can uh, we can get some promo copies over. Nice, there. Well, nice. thank you. Excellent. I appreciate that. Yeah. I like historical type fiction type stuff, and yeah. I, I I was like, ooh, 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 this sounds really neat. Uh, so oh, do you yeah. have? Well, I, you, I do hope you like it. Do you have a website or anything you want people to visit? Uh, actually, the uh, well, the uh, the Dancing Beast book has a website. Okay. All right, and so uh, called the Dancing Beast book. I figured not too creative, but (laughs) (laughs) to the point. Yeah. And uh, yes. And also I have a number of um, there are a number of uh, YouTube videos. I did some video trailers for the book using some period artwork and some music. that I wrote. Now, can you also give us the link to the uh, send over the link to me in via email Mm -hmm. and I'll put it in the show notes to oh, great. look up how to find a music therapist. Yes. Okay. That one I can do as well. Yeah. yeah. And anything else you want, if you if you want to if, if you want to stalk his Facebook page, I don't suggest that. But I, you know, it's a free country. And <laughs> follow him on Facebook and Twitter. So no. yeah. might as well. All right. And yeah. Uh, yes, I think that's uh, you know that's something we can do. <laughs> Well, you, you, thank God our audience isn't two billion people because he would just get an onslaught. Have you ever? <clears throat> I've watched some of my buddies in the media. Every now and again, they'll get some on the big, big, big program like Joe Rogan. 
or something. Oh, and it's, you can't even turn your computer on for two days. Yeah. Really? Yeah, because 100 million people just saw it. Mm. Right? So 10%, 10% of 100 million people is how many? I'm not doing math on the top of my head. <laughs> I'm just sitting here thinking. A million people hitting your Facebook page. Imagine what that would, oh, my God, it'd drive you nuts. Oh, I'm sure we'd, we'd explode the server. Yeah. <laughs> they'd be like, I'm out. I'm done. I'm not answering anything. You'd get, they'd, yeah, right. oh, they'd yeah. find your email for who is or something like that. And, and it would just be, you'd be devastatingly unable to de- to deal with it. And that's what yeah. most of these folks that get hit viral that's what happens right, to them. Right. Like how many emails can fit in a, um, an inbox? As much storage as you got. Wow. I guess I never really thought about it because I don't get emailed that much. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, definitely if you want to visit uh, any of the links in the description and uh, purchase his book, uh, either the one about music therapy or if you want to purchase the book that talks about the history of the of, of, of crazy dancing people. I want to right. listen, I want to read that one. I'm curious. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll make sure you guys get some promo copies. Yeah. Well, thank you. All right. So, go to the uh, description in the in the, in in the go to the description in the show notes, or go to paulgnewton.com. That's paulgnewton.com. That's me. Get your swag first, then visit his websites and buy his book, and then send me money. How about that? We could do that, right? Great idea. Great and idea. then on iTunes, on uh, iTunes, please do Apple iTunes. Please do go to the podcast uh, main page and leave us five star review, and just tell me what you're ordering for lunch or something. And the review is fine with me because they don't read it, and it helps me get helps Andrea and I get up in the uh, algorithm. So more people can listen. So if you like our program, if you like what we're doing and you want other people to listen, go out and solicit all your friends to tell them to listen to our stuff. And if you do it, I'll say your name on air. Will you? I will. So we've got some reviews that we got, by the way. We've got some, uh, we got five. And I guess if they're funny and weird, I'll even say them too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm waiting for someone to put something inappropriate, but I'll say it. All right, let's see. A promise is a promise. I'm usually the one that says the inappropriate stuff. It'll be a first for it to be me. (laughs) But hey, there's first time for everything. You say inappropriate stuff all the time. Yeah, I have to be careful. It's not here. Uh, I have a job, guys, where they're probably going to stalk this podcast, but that's okay. Well, these they just blame it on me. Say, like, Paul roofied me. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> to be like peanut cup, prove it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Warlord D, uh, Warlord MP gave us a five star review, saying very engaging and full of information and great guests, hilarious sometimes, and they make you think. Cool. That's nice. Well, thank you. And then Jackson Prince says, this is so interesting. When I'm bored, I just sit and listen and allow myself to learn new things. Well, Sounds like somebody yeah. asked that person to put that up there. I'm not sure. I know who that one is. <laughs> and she does like it, but she's a fan, but she's also my kid. So. Here's Fluffy227. These podcasts. Yeah, Fluffy227 <laughs> says, these podcasts are amazing. I love all of Paul's podcasts. But I usually don't listen to any podcasts, but he makes them so interesting that I always look forward to the next one that he does. That's, nice. That's Thank pretty you, Fluffy. brutal. I mean, what, yeah, don't, don't, what about Andrea? Uh, you don't it's care? all good. All right. And engaging Noah 72, right? He says, Paul picks interesting guests and sometimes you laugh. Well, thank you, Noah. Yeah. And then walk to wealth. I like this podcast. Basically, is what they said. So leave a review. We'll read it on air. Uh, Unless, you know, you're just trashing Andrea, then I'm going to look you up and fly to your house. Nah. Do like Jay and Silent Bob in the back of the the last of their movie. They go Mm. to everybody's house and beat them up. Nah. No? No. All right. Prison doesn't look good. Orange is not your color. Uh, But in Benton County, they wear the stripes. That's only here in Arkansas, though. (laughs) Anything else you want to ask our guest today, Andrea? No, thank you so much for coming on. I've learned quite a bit, and I look forward to reading your book. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Is so we've got some guests coming up too. Oh, you yes. just just rattle them off. Okay, let's see here. We got some really interesting guests Stu coming Baker's up, so you want to keep listening. We got Megan Campbell on everything alcohol, which maybe she's she- going to talk to us about all the booze we can drink. And I need to figure out how to make some gluten free because you know this gluten intolerance lady misses for beer. Be- misses beer. Yeah, we've got Kevin Cart Carrier for comedy. Yeah, he's a, he's a he's a comedian. Michael Yass for chronic pain. We're gonna. He's got a special way of looking at chronic pain. We have to figure that out. You know. We have a person coming on. We're gonna talk about psychedelic mushrooms. Oh yeah, he's all things mushrooms. What's his name? Uh, Can't remember. Gabriel Costello. Yeah, Gabriel Costello. And we have Christopher Elv. I'm gonna butcher his last name. Alvavira. He's our calling it the Jedi guy. He's gonna tell us more information about Jedi lifestyle, yeah. Jedi Jedi religion. It's actually religion. Interestingly mm-hmm. enough. Yeah, we got right. Robert Kerbeck on spying and espionage. Oh yeah, corporate espionage. I want to. I want to hear about that. But you know, I, I, it's just we. I've got filled up everything, and also too, I have another podcast where I interview people by myself during the week. It takes anywhere between fifteen and 25, 35 minutes. It's called Paul G's Corner because Andrea is always putting me in timeout in the corner. I'm not putting you in timeout. You out. always put me in timeout in the corner. You want to be in timeout? Don't what? go there. <laughs> What are you trying to say? He always wants to get himself in trouble. His mission to make me say, oh, my God, Paul, stop. Well, you said it. I know I did. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, and listen to that. That's also on iTunes. Leave a five-star rating there and say, Paul, you suck, but I'll give you five stars anyway. I would be happy with that. <laughs> you know? All right. Anything else, Andrea? I think we're good. Okay. Bye. Bye. Andrea and I need your help. If you like our episodes, please give us a five-star rating and a review. Not sure exactly how that helps us, but it does, and it makes people want to listen. When they see that five stars and a good review from you, so go to wherever you're listening to your podcast, Apple iTunes, Spotify, iHeartMedia, wherever, and hit that five stars. Five stars.